You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. All right, Primal Radio, we're back, Tom. What's up, brother? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Had an Indian last night. <laughs> Went to bed at 10.30. I think I must be getting old. Ah, Living the dream. Ah, that runs through you. I'm it good. It sure I'm good. did. That's why we had to start this call late. So I had to hop on the... <laughs> what well, does it? It does. If your body... If you, do, do you eat it regularly or no? Well, I had the, what, the Naga, which is like the world's hottest chili. That was one of the curries Ooh. I ate last night. Nice. Yeah, that works magic on the system. That flushes everything <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, but hey, if you were a fighter, you would have made weight. <laughs> anyway, so today I'm excited about. Why don't you tell us about today's show, Tom? Okay, so the driver behind today's show is since I got my instructorship in Rapid Arnest, which was back in the summer, I have kind of not been training as much. I have got a wrist injury, which is an, <laughs> which is an excuse, but. And I kind of thought there are some things sometimes I get frustrated with martial arts. I thought it would be good to do a show all about that. And I was going to write down a load of notes and all that kind of thing. What I did instead was I asked people in like a few WhatsApp groups that I'm in for inspiration for what are their top 10 things if they could tell me that they don't like about martial arts. And I got some great responses. So basically, I'm not even going to bother giving my own list. I think we just review their list and kind of talk to them and give our own experiences. How's that sound? That's good. And I, I sent you over a list too, which is pretty funny because as I went through not only the list you sent me from Locke and Andrew and all these other people and Deepesh, I'm like, wow, you know, a lot of the things are very similar. <laughs> I mean, even the exact word. So this must be a universal topic that we all sort of have. What would you call a lifers? How would you define where we are in martial arts as a martial arts how would you define yourself not i'm saying as a black belt or as a uh, colleague guy or something like that there's there's uh, some other definition yeah i know i know what you mean i i would just say it's a martial artist and by that i mean like yeah but by that i mean it's someone that's actually doing it all the time basically you live it as a lifestyle rather than it just being like you know you go to the gym and train martial arts two days a week just like you would with you know doing your body pump or your whatever class that you do right that's it it is true but anyway okay is there somewhere you want to start on this list i think i'll start with some of the ones lack sent through he's real articulate so they're, they're right. kind of good <laughs> i like his first topic and the first word he uses to describe it. Yeah, so he's, he's gone with ego, number one. And I don't ne- necessarily know whether this is like in any particular order, but, you know, the dick measuring. My dick's bigger than yours. You, you know, the know-it-alls. Right. What's your take on that, Jim? Look, I think it lends itself to egos as a fighter, as a warrior. There has to be a healthy ego, but obviously way too much ego will uh, just destroy you. And it will come across the wrong way. And I think the challenge with the ego is that my way is the only way that I know what's really best. I'm the greatest fighter. Our gym does it. No other gym does it like us. I know everything. You know nothing. I mean, the list goes on and on and that kind of thing. I live that in in the world I'm in uh, and see that every day. So I think that's probably what he means. 
I have an interesting take, I think, on the ego stuff in terms of going into it from a JKD, which, you know, Chinese background, it's very anti-ego. And then having done Rapid Honest with Pat O'Malley, he sort of like almost promotes the ego element. And it's it's a different end of the spectrum. And when I looked up the word ego, it means or translates as your sense of self-worth. And I think that's incredibly important. So I think there's a balancing act with ego to say... Yeah, I have to be fucking confident in my own abilities, walk into the room and kind of own it. Particularly if you're going to do something like teach, you have to have that confidence. But then also to drive down that ego when it's going too far. You know, the difference between confidence and arrogance. Andrew Jansen's got on his list, he's put number three down as confirmation bias, which I think kind of feeds into this where you and your group are kind of continually proving that your stuff works. You're not looking to disprove that it works, right? Right. I think that's where the ego gets dangerous. You operate in your little world. And it's like, in your little world, it works. But would it work against a rugby player or sure. someone who's incredibly strong or someone who's trained multiple disciplines, a good ground fighter? You know, oh, we don't do groundwork because we focus on not going to ground. But what if you did go to ground, as an example? No, that's true. No, absolutely. I, I agree completely with that. So I think ego definitely makes the list. Politics, one we've talked about in the show. That's Lax one, number three. What's your take? Politics is huge. Who you know, who you're affiliated with. More often than not, without saying any particular systems, you see that politics evolve. We don't train with that school because they're this and we're that. We don't compete against other brother schools or sister schools because of a various reason. Which is interesting because in the world of boxing, that does not exist since I do a lot of combat sports stuff here as well as the traditional and non-traditional martial arts, is that when I'm matchmaking for an event, there are certain schools that are affiliated with other schools. And it's a very loose lineage. I mean, it's like my cousin's second sister on her brother's side from an adoption. We don't fight them because there's some kind of connection or we won't compete against them. In the boxing world, one of my boxers will, will box one of my boxers out of my gym if they have to in a tournament or from a, a gym down the street, which we go to their gym or they come to our gym. Most of the time they come to our gym and we spar. So guys will spar often have fought multiple times and we're friends and the coaches and there's not that, no, we don't want to do it. No, there's no politics involved in it. That's how I see it more often on a daily basis. I don't know how you see it over there. I'm obviously JKD honest and to a lesser extent things that feed into that. In the JKD world, I think politics is one of the biggest and most prevalent issues. Like, no one gets on with anyone. And as we've talked about it on the show, that needs to change. People need to, like, train with other people, be less derogatory about other people's systems and lineage. And when you talk about the boxing thing, there's there's a level playing field in terms of everyone fights each other and is assessed to the same standard. Whereas with martial arts, it can be a bit more mystical a lot of people will say things like if you do this it will definitely smash someone's nose but definitely break someone's nose but it's like will it you know where's the evidence i can see maybe you hit hard or something like that right boxing is tested we could ultimately get into the ring and always prove something i think with a lot of martial arts stuff that's not the case no very true in boxing you do absolutely get that um look you get direct feedback when you box if I make a mistake or I'm not as good of a boxer, don't have the same timing or speed or power, 
you punch me in the face. <laughs> so I know immediately I have a negative feedback from you, you know, if something's not working. And it happens in other martial arts too, but I just use boxing as an example. But yeah, that's true. And I, I agree with the politics with the JKD world, you know, of who trained with who at what time. And, and everyone seems to speak about what that they believe Bruce Lee would be doing. It's rather interesting. Throughout the years in the JKD world, they did try to make it uniformed through the JKD nucleus. And they had a couple other ones. I can't even remember all the names and different configurations. And it's always fallen short. I talk about in 2008, I was in Seattle for the 35th anniversary of Bruce Lee's death. And there was a wide variety of talent there from guys from Oakland era to the Chinatown era. You saw the martial art evolve from Taki Kamira teaching to other guys. And it was kind of interesting. And everybody had a piece of the puzzle. But guys still stuck to their own. You could still hear, oh, that doesn't work. That's no good. How we do it at ours is the same thing. And it goes back to that. Even though it's all essentially the same bullshit. But if they would have just boxed, they could have solved it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a great one, right? So this one comes from Perry. The self-defense subgenre of martial arts that have boiled everything down to a handful of magic bullets with no conditioning, pressure testing, or contingency plans. Oh, that's good. You can go ahead. <laughs> that was good. I mean, what do you want me to say about it? I think the, the idea is I read something out and you give your take on it. Oh, <laughs> or vice oh. versa. Okay, read that to me again, Tom, so I can digest. The self-defense subgenre of martial arts that have boiled everything down to a handful of magic bullets with no conditioning, pressure testing, or contingency plans. Very true. So you have a lot of guys out there who do self-defense or self-protection or uh, combatives. Whatever that thing is. And we do real world stuff, so we, we can't do this because I'll hurt you or it'll kill you, whatever that they say. But they don't pressure test it enough. Often it's derived out of theory and concept, and it hasn't really been, like we say, any kind of level playing field. Okay, if I do this, this guy will do this, and then I'll, I'll win that fight. That's just simply not really the truth. Often, big, broad picture. A lot of these guys aren't in good condition, aren't lifting weights and aren't boxing or kickboxing or wrestling. It's just all theory. You know, you're practicing slow, controlled and perfect circumstances in the laboratory. That's true. That does happen out there a lot. I see that all. Even guys I train, I got guys who just come to me for the combatives aspect. I make it as lively and pressure tested as possible. And then I have guys who just come to the gym and just do, let's say, boxing. I think both have problems. I agree. I think the comment is aimed at the combatives world, and I, I might be wrong in saying that because I don't have Perry here to back that up. But You are correct. I do think there's merit in the less is more approach, training a few things over and over again, and those are the things that will come to light when you do have a fight, rather than you know layering lots of techniques on top of each other. But I think that was a great one. Here's a Andrew Jansen one. The celebration of mediocrity. <laughs> Participation trophies? yeah basically it's true yeah and one of the other guys talks about the kind of you know the martial arts hall of fame awards and things like that that we have here in the uk oh i have that yeah i have that on my list yeah Yeah, and i don't i don't want that to be too disparaging but uh, i'm sure a lot of those people do deserve those awards but it's it's an interesting thing right let's go the mediocrity thing so on my list with the mcdojos let's say and that's some of these gyms obviously serve a purpose 
but everybody gets rank so that now to become a black belt, you have like four stripes on white, four stripes on orange. So every three months, it's a moneymaker. I got that too. And there's a purpose behind that. I get that. But no matter what, most people will get the rank because mom and dad would pull them from the school if little Johnny or Susie doesn't get their rank, right? Now, there are other schools, even though who might follow that, and I'm friends with many of these guys, have, you know, the kid doesn't meet the standard, they don't pass no matter what. And that's what it should be. But often they just give them that. As far as the Hall of Fame awards, which is rather interesting, I did one of those a lifetime ago. I was kind of pressured into it, and I'm fucking sorry I did it. At least just, I'm not saying all of them, and there's a lot of super talented guys that go to, but God damn it, essentially you pay to go to dinner, right? And the 75 bucks or whatever the goddamn money is you pay, pays for dinner and buys yourself a trophy. Now, I can go on Amazon and buy a much bigger trophy and go out to have a much better dinner than what I spent to go to this fucking thing. <laughs> you know, it was a joke. No one knows who you are, who they who who nominated you? You nominated you, you motherfucker. <laughs> There's the problem. In general, there are some legitimate ones. I guess even Black Belt Magazine's Hall of Fame stuff. There is so much politics involved. It's a popularity contest. It's like high school running for a class president. The reason you become class president because you have more friends than the next guy or girl, and all your friends voted for you. That's how you become class president of school. It's not because of your issues and your stance on issues. <laughs> but in a martial arts, that's all it is. You nominate yourself or I go, hey, Tom, do me a favor. Can you nominate me for the British Martial Arts Hall of Fame? Right. And you nominate me. Oh, I got nominated. But now they want a thousand dollars from me. <laughs> I think the UK one is literally you buy a table and, you know, if, right. if the more people you can fill out, the bigger the award they give you. But it's essentially a table for a reward. But right. I haven't been to one, so I'll caveat that before I get sued. <laughs> right. Now, that does not mean that the guy or that girl doing that does not deserve something. So, and there's a million of them. That's the problem. It's not like there's a handful of them. There's, and by the way, on my list, I had meaningless organizations numerous times been asked to be on the board of directors of just different combat groups or whatever. There's a nice affiliation. It sounds good. Does it mean anything in the long term? Absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, one organization had reached out to me because someone said, hey, I would be a good fit for them. And I have this is not a reflection upon them. I just said, I think you, you guys are great, but I'm just going to pass. And they were like, they couldn't believe it. I think I was the first person to turn them down. I just didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, I just said, you guys are good. I'm sure you're wonderful. I'll support you, but I'm good. Yeah, I think you can get associated to too many things and then obviously you dedicate not enough time to any of them as well. You know, Rapid Honest and JKD are the two things I do. And if I did much more than that, I wouldn't be able to do either well. Right. No, absolutely. Anyway, so. All right, what's the next one, Tom? Tom, I can't hear you. You cut out. Your microphone cut out. Oh, motherfucker. I had it on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's leave this in the show, and here's why. Because right before this fucking show starts, I can't see Tom. And he's going, Jim, it must be you. It could not possibly be me. <laughs> and then he's always yelling at me not for hitting the cough button. He is a tyrant as a boss. <laughs> and the motherfucker hit mute, and I'm watching him talk. I go, I just can't read blips with that accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I want this in the show, goddammit. I'm going to management. So this one's from David Capuro's uh, black belt in Dossi Perez and a brown belt in Rapid Arnis. So he said, 
and I think these all merge together quite well. So I'm going to read out all three. Yep, yeah, good. People teaching after practicing only one or two years. People doing multiple systems and teaching after a few classes. Too many so-called masters and grandmasters. Wow, that is brilliant. Do I know David? You do not. I do not. That man is brilliant. He, he's, he's, he's a guy that asks a million questions. Uh, but he is very knowledgeable. Oh, and there is. Oh, he should put that on that list too. He's that guy who's like, but what if? Right. So I'm going to tell you what He's if. A great story. guy. So David. So this, now I haven't had the opportunity to train with David. Probably thank God. <laughs> so what happened is I'll be teaching a seminar, or maybe perhaps you're teaching at a seminar, and you have that guy. Well, what if this? What if a guy repelled from a building with a sword and jumped in front of you? What are you going to do, right? And so I'm in California, and this one guy kept asking. I was at Keith Miller's. What if, what if, what if? And it was funny. And he said, but after a while, you're cut. Yeah, I've had enough. Of it. And then he asked one more what if question. I look over at him. I pointed his face. I said, what if I just come over there and kick your ass? <laughs> because it was just too many what if questions. You can't answer all of them at once. But anyway, but anyway, so people teaching or practicing one or two years and then, and, what, and then teaching. Yeah, they don't know enough. I phrase it this way. You know enough just to get your ass kicked. I tell that people when I do like a self-defense thing, what you learned here today is just enough. You're better off often in some circumstances not knowing anything because then you have nothing holding you back because you sort of know how to punch, you sort of know how to kick, but not good enough to really defend yourself or do anything with it. That's why you're not very good commercially. You're, you're kind of not selling your product. <laughs> right. That's exactly it. It could happen after one or two classes. <laughs> like I said, you know, guys who learn that move, do it one or two times. Oh, that's good. We got it. Attack it. We talk about this a thousand times. You see that, I'm sure, all the time. I've tended to find that the best teachers are the ones that they turn up and they didn't want to be a teacher in the first place. It's kind of like teaching found them. Whereas I've found people over the years who've come in and straight away said, you know, I want to be an instructor. I don't think it's the right journey sort of thing, if that makes sense. I think you're right. How about people doing multiple systems and teaching after a few classes? Now, I'm not sure what you mean do multiple, like they're training a handful of things all at once. I think that is relevant. Andy Jansen kind of coined the phrase, or at least I heard it first from him, of the martial arts tourist. The guy that like, you know, goes to a million seminars, trains with everyone under the sun, but actually isn't particularly good at any of the stuff that he's learned. You know, I'd rather have the boxer who's thrown you know, a jab, cross, uppercut, hook, loads and loads of times because you stick them in a street fight and that stuff's going to be what comes out. One of the things David could have added on this, which, which may be on one of the other lists we have, is they do that, and I just touched on it a second, just do that move three to five times in class and they're already... I'll give you an example. I got this guy in my class. He's a decent grappler. He's a blue belt grappler. He watches a ton of videos, which can be positive but it can also take away from your learning experience so i was doing some catch wrestling and we we're just working a sweep like a, a one-on-one sweep and within literally i shit you not like two minutes the sweep wasn't good enough for him he's in doing an, like an upside down knee bar right and you're probably not going to really ever be able to do that in the real world and you can't even just do the sweep right now, which is the one-on-one technique, which allows us to potentially do that as we advance. But he cannot control himself, jumping to that next latest, greatest move. Look, even when you and I have been to seminars together, and I'll show a series of moves, you might show a series of moves, and once in a while, I'll show something. I'll go, well, this is kind of cool. I'm not sure how well it'll work, but let's fuck around with it. Everyone wants to just do 
do that last one. They don't want to just do the finger jab to the eye, which is really the, the best move out of the thing. But anyway, so that happens here consistently. And too many so-called masters and grandmasters. Holy shit. Absolutely. That, go, that goes in line with the meaningless organizations. I can't believe how many Sifus and grandmasters were fucking 22 years old or at whatever age, and then you watch them do anything. There's no depth to their understanding. There's no breadth and depth to their topics. They might know 10 techniques, and you never get any deeper. That happens later when we get to the next rank. <laughs> Some secret hidden instructor's techniques. It's terrible. And that goes for the dumbing down of martial arts and the myths that perpetuate the system. You know, my great-grandmaster punched a horse in the face and it died. <laughs> that kind of shit, you know? If I think of it, and I don't want to spend too much time on, on Dave's topic, but there's teachers who will promote a load of people underneath them, which basically makes their all, them look more powerful, right? So they have, now have a large organisation. Obviously, they hope that that will then turn into a sort of franchise model where those guys are right. teaching and they sit on the top of a larger empire. Right. And then there's the other end of the scale, and I'd use Dieter Kazir as a, in Belgium as an example of this, where you don't promote that many people. You make sure the bar's set extremely high, but you have real quality. And I don't know whether, you know, you could, you could be at either ends of those spectrum. Right. Because you could market yourself as, look, I have 100 schools under me and 200 black belts. Look how big my organization is. And certainly that's an issue. So here's one that kind of promoted a, a little bit of debate on one of the chats I was right. having. So Dipesh Kira said about he hates the karate is better than judo type of argument. You know, everything has its merit. Some things are better for the street, but ultimately it's about the practitioner's demonstration of skill. Right. And then one of the other guys, Neil, he was saying, you know, practitioners that point at other people's systems and ridicule them. And then the debate that we kind of got into is, you know, when is there a time when it is appropriate to ridicule or critique someone else's system is there ever a time probably i think there is personally <laughs> yeah. right when it's okay to say actually that would never work or that shit and when is it the right time to be respectful and sort of say right i'll look at that i'll give it a go i'll analyze it i might not use it right that's generally what i do if somebody was to show something i would be respectful kind of go through the process and i i try to look at it and never immediately say hey that's not going to work Let's be real. You can look at things and immediately go that there's no chance on the planet Earth that that's going to work. So when's the time to address it on your own? I mean, you could just let it be. If you were doing a seminar with a group of people or attended a seminar and you saw something, I would just be respectful and do that. Now, if you had time alone with that individual, is it my job to go, hey, wait a minute, Tom, that will never work. But that's a discussion that could happen and explore. Then you could it's called the Socratic method. You let them answer for themselves by having the appropriate questions. To have them come up with that answer themselves. Oh, shit, I was wrong. That didn't work. People say, why don't we just do this? And I go, okay, why don't you teach me that? Show me how that works because I don't understand. Pretend I've never done anything. I want you to explain this to me in depth on how this system works and some of the problems. That's that SWOT analysis, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. When you walk through that process, it helps you get rid of all that bullshit right away. I think that's all fair points. Wow, thank God. <laughs> Uh, my friend Jake Tirani, he's put quite the list together. One that has appeared on a couple of people's lists is the idea of the spiritual guru. 
Pete and other guys talks of the philosopher martial artist who is above the requirements of being able to perform physically. <laughs> What's your take on these sort of so-called spiritual gurus in, in Jake's words? Look, I think some guys may have that ability to certainly help you guide them down that path, but that's not like not everybody. Look, I don't know the gentleman, but it appears that I've seen interviews with Steve uh, Steven Seagal, who I was a fan of, and he's talking about that he's a spiritual guru for people. Now, is he really or is he just crazy? He's probably just crazy. <laughs> but yeah, and you fancy yourself above the fray. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting that's the ego comes back into it. You start believing your own shit. I'm smarter, all knowing. I've tapped into uh, grandmasters of yesteryear. <laughs> it's a dangerous spot to go to. The other side of that, so Lack has on his list martial arts schools being incomplete. So, you know, where they're only teaching the 25% of it that's physical, he refers to it. He's right. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's, it's difficult sometimes for someone who maybe has somewhat mastered the physical side but hasn't even looked at the mental side of it to oh yeah really appreciate that side of it i certainly am much more advanced on the physical side than i am on the kind of mental spiritual blah 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 side right but (laughs) (laughs) but i recognize there's something there of merit it's something that i do somewhat explore and buy into right right so my journey as not unlike others because when we're young and dumb and full of cum, as they say, <laughs> is that, you know, you lean on the physical side. So your balls to the wall, killing it all the time. And I still do that. But in latter years, I think I always had the spiritual aspect of that inner, whatever you want to call it. I really enjoy exploring that part of the martial arts right now. And I do it on my own, meaning I don't go out in class and, and give a philosophical lesson. That's not me. But subsequently, on an individual basis, I do have in-depth conversations with people who, for whatever reason, think that I know what the fuck I'm talking about and I have my shit together. <laughs> that shows how fucked up they are. And uh, that I can help guide them in that direction. Or like that. It's not always super spiritual. I mean, just conversations, sharing your life's experiences, strengths and hopes, and kind of doing that. So it is fascinating. I do love that aspect of it. I would never fancy myself a guru in any of that, but I certainly know a lot of shit because of tragedy that has happened in my life and my own life experiences. So I think that is a very important part, but again, a very dangerous part because you could start to believe your own shit and lead people down the wrong path. Agreed. And what I think one of the challenges can be what works for you in that aspect isn't necessarily going to work for everyone else. Just like in some ways, some people might be suited to one fighting style and some people might be suited to another. Right. But you're going to force on them the one that you like and you're good at. Right. Right. That this is the only way that works. No, absolutely. absolutely. Very true. Very true. Next one on Lack's list again is um, impatience. So he said, in this fast food society, students want results without putting in the time or the effort. It's simple. The more you put in, the more you get out. Now go and do your homework. <laughs> that, that's quoting him verbatim. He's so good. Lack is good. I got, he's, he's a smart guy. So true. They come into the gym. I want to do MMA. I want to have a fight. I want to fight this year. I want to fight in three months. Whatever. I'll just use an MMA as an example. Okay. Well, have you ever boxed? No. Hmm. Have you ever done any martial arts? No. Okay. Have you ever wrestled? No. But I'm real tough. I've been in 100 street fights. (laughs) That's their answer. And I go, how long will it be before I'm an MMA fighter? And my answer is, I don't know. It could be next week. It could be never. But it is that 
impatience. I want it yesterday, that microwave society that we belong to. I want it now. I don't want to put the time in the work this way. Look, I got guys who compete at high levels who goddamn still don't want to do their own work. I don't want to do the conditioning. I don't want to do the push-ups and the burpees and just hitting the bag. I already know the jab. I already know the round kick. Listen, motherfucker, just keep doing it. You got to keep drilling it and drilling it and drilling it. And what perpetuates this, by the way, too, is that Instagram taking photos of them. I got guys that shit, you know, coming here, videotaping themselves on Instagram or Snapchat or who knows what the fuck they got out there now. Oh, at the gym, killing it. And I haven't commented on their social media sites yet, but if you're killing it, no, what you're doing is you're killing me because you ain't doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're killing. But it's so true. I want it. How quick, how quick, how quick. I tell this story in one of our, I forget who it was, attacking the last time we attacked him, of Steve Servillo. And Steve, it took him 25 years or some ridiculous thing to get his black sash or instructorship rank under tag. He just never asked for it. That's ridiculous <laughs> because I'm apparently an incompetent, unorganized bastard. But uh, that was a guy who was a lifer, you know, a purist, just wanted to do it and learn and be better. And then when the instructor would say, hey, you know, it's time for the have rank, it would happen. Other guy, how long will it take? Uh, maybe never, man. Maybe never. To be devil's advocate and just come out from the other the other side of it, and I, I, right. I obviously I hundred percent buy into the fact that there's effort involved and there aren't really shortcuts. That said, I think the modern world does require everyone to look at things and see can it be accelerated, can it be done quicker? Sure. And a lot of martial arts instructors abuse, you know, they make it into a how long is a piece of string thing, and you need to know what do I have to do to get this rank or you know what are the requirements to pass this exam and if you were to study a degree or whatever it might be they might give you a three-year window and they're saying the intention is that after the end of the three years you'll get this degree you might not because you might not put the work in but that's roughly what we estimate and in rapid honest we say I think it's something like five years we'd expect you to get to black belt right Um, that's not to say you will some people never will right Right, but it's a it's a target for someone who's reasonably fit and puts the effort in. I agree. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a time frame, but it, it's just that lack of they're wanting it right this second. You know, when will I lose that weight? When will I learn how to fight? When do I get to spar? Look, motherfucker, you were here 30 seconds ago. You've never thrown a punch in your goddamn life, and you want to get in the ring with someone. I've had guys, by the way, subsequently who come into the gym and they were so adamant about how good they were. And then I put him in with one of my boxers. This one kid, he was actually a real good athlete, real tough. And when you're sparring with a really good boxer, now remember, if you hit me hard, you have now invited me to hit you hard. You know, we'll go to whatever level of violence we're comfortable with. We can spar nice and controlled, like when you were in here sparring with Scrap or with Steven. It was fun. You weren't killing each other, having just touching each other. But this kid went at Scrap. He was throwing bombs. Well, Scrap just stepped forward, left body hook to the ribs, broke two of his ribs. Kid never came back again. (laughs) (laughs) His impatience, his ego, his ignorance, you know. And I said, you know, make sure you work with him. If you try to hit him hard, he will hit you hard back. I told Scrap he owes me 500 bucks for loss of income from that kid. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I swear to God, in like one month, he took out two or three people, all in that same kind of scenario. You know, guys who just went at him. And Scrap was kind enough to get in the ring with him 
and work with him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and the kid's really trying to knock him out. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I sparred scrap, but it was like, if I turned the volume up, he would have just destroyed me. Right, right, right. So there's a level of, of violence that we accept. We can punch each other a little bit, maybe seven out of ten. Yeah. But once you knock it up to nine, well, now fucking the gloves are coming off and we're going to work. So that is fun. Here's the next one. It's from Peter Picard again. The badge belt certificate collectors who can't back it up physically, what they claim verbally. And I want to do a side thing about this in um, certificates. So in the summer, I obviously got that, my instructorship in Rapid Arnis. And Pat, yes, you did. for all his wonderful qualities, had failed to print off the certificate. <laughs> He's failed. He doesn't have a printer. At the time, I wasn't particularly bothered by that. But as time has gone on and given, and I won't go into all the details, but I've had a similar kind of experience right. in JKD where... I can go to some of my friends and their walls are covered in certificates and they're not necessarily as good as I am. My wall has no certificates on it and doing rapid RNS, it was kind of, I wanted to get away from what may, maybe I'd experienced in the JKD world. And right. for him not to have had that printed was really like, fucking hell guys, you're just like everyone else. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, that was a real drop in the ball. And, you know, his excuse right. was the printer wasn't working and all that kind of thing. But look, I've been doing this course for five years. That could have been printed off five years ago in anticipation for what would inevitably happen, you know. Right. No, I got you. No, you're right. I look at that two ways too. Like, I, What do certificates mean to you? I have a love-hate relationship with them at some level. At some level, I'm like, they don't matter to me. I don't care. I don't care about rank or what anybody thinks I know I have a I, I'm good enough but and I think when I was trained the whole time I never even sought to become a black belt I don't think it was ever my goal but it is it's like you go to a university you expect that piece of paper that hey you've accomplished this you've earned it you spent blood sweat and tears doing that so you should have that certificate so yeah, that's a miss on that and and I've done it because oh I got to get you that certificate because it does matter it's the completion of that part of your life and now it's time to move on to the next level or whatever it may be. Subsequently, there are all those guys. I swear to God, I don't know how they have so many certificates. It's like they've went to every seminar <laughs> and every online course, you know, and they have walls full of shit and photos. For a while in my own journey, I trained with a lot of people. And then I even stopped taking photos with guys like whoever it was. Name the grandmaster I trained with them. I refused to get a photo with it. They wanted a photo with me. I didn't want a photo with them <laughs> because I just didn't want to be a star fucker is the term. <laughs> I've seen an interesting element of once you get good, other people want to give you their certificate. So suddenly you go from right. like having studied two systems to everyone else is like, right, I want your certificate on my wall. You know, I'll give you a certificate. I'll give you a certificate. It's kind of bizarre. I guess it depends what that certificate means to you and what it's worth. Um, I felt, having gone to my first couple of camps with Rapid Honest guys, that the standard was very, very high. Everyone was tough, and therefore that was a worthwhile certificate getting. No doubt. I've always had the thing of, I want to achieve a goal, right? but once I achieved a goal, the happiness that comes with it is very, very, very short-lived. Right. You know, I spent five years trying to get that black belt. Or, or the instructorship, and really all I give myself is a pat on the back for it. Right, right. No, I got you. The journey goes on now. Yeah. Uh, I think too often people get that certificate 
that ends their journey. In reality, what it should be is a launching pad for the next journey in your training, a deeper understanding of it. I had one guy here, I trained, I was helping him get ready for his black belt in BJJ. Spent like two years getting him ready for this. I mean, he'd been training for 20 years, you know, but we spent a long time getting him ready. Finally, shit, a couple weeks ago, he got his black belt finally in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he hasn't been in the gym since. <laughs> it's been like a month, you know. Like I don't know what happened. Like what happened? You got it. You over. You you're done with training or what? Who knows? Who knows? It's interesting. As far as not with not getting it too. Uh, that's not a miss on you. That's a miss on that other party. You know. So what's next? Huh? Okay, this one's from Jake again. Money whores, <laughs> aka uh, instructors uh, uh, willing to sell their own mothers for a few shekels. This includes charging for promotions slash being able to buy a black belt after a weekend seminar, unreasonable annual fees, mandatory private classes, etc. Yeah, I see no problem with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's a difference between a whore and a prostitute. Do you know what the difference is? Yeah, one sells it, one gives it away for free. He should have said money prostitutes, really. Well, that would just be obvious. Yeah, because I'm a whore, apparently. Yeah. But I'm just giving my ass away. And it is interesting because I've seen guys who are top-notch real killers. And then they've kind of, I guess they figure sometime in their life, fuck this, I've never made any money doing this business because it's a tough business to make money in. And then they just start selling stuff. Matter of fact, I just had a conversation with our friend Hawk Hawkheim about an individual who does camps and stuff and charges thousands of dollars for these people to come out and uh they come out for a weekend and they get whatever certificate and if you do the math the guy made like over a hundred grand over the weekend and he is a top-notch great warrior but he's just selling rank now because of who he was at one time i've seen groups that i like and respect doing membership fees i i don't personally think it's the right way to proceed Lax used the term mandatory before and I've said to Lack, you know, I don't think you should use that term as I don't think it is an accurate ref- reflection of what that means. Ultimately, everyone's a JKD class voluntarily and if, if they can't come, they can't come. All you can do is like hope and suggest, you know, you sell it as being a great event, basically. Right. I don't have an issue with membership fees because it costs money, time and effort to run whatever organization there is. I'll give you an example. At the gym, I have a registration fee. So when you sign up for whatever program I have, a $99 registration fee, because it does take time, money, and effort to put you into the system, to do whatever is necessary, to call you up at the end of the month when your credit card got denied, or you haven't brought cash in. So there's a lot of office time. Who's going to pay for my time, or who's going to pay for that person I need to pay to do that? Which might be different than a membership fee, but it is. I think it is, yeah. Because they're getting a gym thing. I'm talking about just being a member of an organization. So you don't actually get necessarily anything in return. Oh, no, you get a whistle and a badge. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why... Tom, you underestimated the expense of a whistle and a badge. Amazing, yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Um... <laughs> Here's one from Lack. So we've talked about this one before. So it's fealty, right? Now, I've never heard of this word. Lack taught it to me. So What is this word? 
Fealty. F-I-E-L-T-Y. I have no idea. Do as I say because I'm your senior. Suppressing others and not letting them rise freely. Teachers should aim to liberate their students. Why does he have to use such big words? <laughs> it's not a very long word. It's just one that we would never normally well, use. You know what I mean. It basically means suppressing someone underneath you, like denying their ability to climb the ladder. Or if they do climb the ladder, it's only because you climb a bit higher. And I think it's absolutely prevalent across the world of martial arts. Well, because at some level, like, right, if I make, you know, someone a black belt under me who's got all the certification that could be a tremendous martial arts, I'm potentially creating my competition. Potentially. But then if they've got loyalty to you, they're probably going to still work with you. And Right. No, I get it. I'm not saying it. Well, apparently I did that with Steve for 25 years. <laughs> but, <laughs> But now um, that's true. That does happen because they always want to be the top dog. They always know something more. There's some secret they know. And they, so they suppress you, don't give you everything, don't help you. You do see that quite often. You should, as an instructor, give everything. Your job should make them better than you, 10 times better than you. By giving away, you keep it. Yeah, I think there's an element of succession planning and legacy. You know, if you want your whatever you do to kind of die out when you're bored or done with it or too old to do it, then fine. But if you want people to you know, progress and take the baton forward, so to speak, then you need to be elevating people at the level below you. I, if I think of like Wednesday night group, for example, you know, there's Christian in Germany, some of the guys in Italy, the likes of Dieter in Belgium, myself in London, there's, there's people who need to be coming up the ranks in order to take that forwards. Right. No, absolutely. I'm just going to read out Andrew Jansen's list. And if you want to focus on any of them, if any of them take any interest. So Andrew Jansen, he's he's just done 10. And they're good. False dictonomies and logical fallacies. The celebration of mediocrity, which we talked about before. Confirmation bias, which we talked about before. The mutual appreciation society. Cult mentality. What the fuck is the mutual appreciation society? I think it's the idea where we just all go, oh yeah, aren't we all great? Oh. You know, rather than like looking out of our little oh, world. And I think, I think again, right. certain groups working together and, you know, thinking all their stuff's the shit, but then they talk about everyone else's probably right. badly. Misrepresentation. Well, you're, I, call, I want to go back. I want to go back. Cult mentality. Can I touch on that? Yeah, go on. That happens in a ton of systems. It often stems from the leader and he decides everything. I've been a part of, not that I, you know, early on you kind of become affiliated, you kind of recognize these things. That's terrible. Actually, even even CrossFit, kind of, it's almost like a cult mentality where they have to outdo each other, do one more burpee and one more you know deadlift and then go run five miles. It works to a certain level then where it actually kind of gets dangerous and self-destructive. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just wanted to touch on it because that's all over the place. Misrepresentation, cringeworthy online personas and caricatures, if I can say that word correctly, hypocrisy. And the retail model taking priority over the educational model. At the end of the day, when martial arts was around, it was never designed to make money and stuff. Now you have to, as I'm assuming that's what it means by retail model. Now guys do it to make money. I, this is how I make my living is physical education and martial arts. So there's an element of that. And I try to keep it at the highest possible standard I can. And matter of fact, they've even got stopped doing certain classes because I wasn't happy with the quality 
on multiple times, I cut out my JKD and Combatus classes because the students weren't living up to my expectations. I literally cut money out of my, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. You all suck. Fuck you. <laughs> and I'm not going to do it anymore. Unless you get here regularly and put your time and effort into this, I'm not going to teach it to you. You show up late, I'm not going to teach it to you. I don't care. I said, I love it too much. I don't want your money. Yeah, it's never been a big revenue generator, that one. Biz. It's a, you do never. it for the passion. I have to say, whenever it's been a... The people who haven't been focused on the money is where I've experienced the most joy in my martial arts. And to give examples, you know, Pat is one of the least money-centric human beings I've ever met when it comes to, like, the training. Right. Lack does it on the side, so it's not like a big revenue generator for him. I mean, right. he, he does well out of martial arts, but ultimately it's a, it's a side job. You know, he has a day job, so he's not reliant upon it. Right. And... You know, even if I take you or the garage, etc., the bits that I do for, for the passion, right? No doubt about it. Did you even look at my list, Tom? No, because you said it five minutes before the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Okay, so give me, give me some gems out of your list that we haven't covered. The close-mindedness, which we've kind of touched on. Yeah, like You're not open to other ideas. I think you should be, and Alak talks about, be open to everything and attached to nothing. Always be willing to grow and change. And explore new possibilities like i'll give you an example for some fucking reason one of my students rob just started exploring irish stick fighting i hear more and more about that these right days. so he bought a shillelagh i'm gonna buy a shillelagh we're gonna play with each other shillelaghs <laughs> 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 who knows what, it'll be a broke back mountain martial arts class who knows i just found it kind of interesting because i do know Kali and Arnie's and sticks I was like oh, let's explore it and it, the funny thing about it it's really no different than some other stuff it's essentially the same thing you know but uh, uh the tough guy attitude I put on there like well geez you know the guys who walk around the gym or uh, have that persona that they can absolutely kill everybody and they're a badass you know I'll just do this to you I'll just rip out my knife or I'll just shoot you or I'll, I'll just do my death touch here the guy who's the know-it-all always seems to have something to say about everything but the interesting thing about that know-it-all guy is generally i find myself sitting and going he doesn't know what he doesn't know unconscious incompetence another one up here you may have not heard this expression but it's called the one upper have you heard that term before yeah definitely all right so you'll tell me a story hey we did this we jumped off a cliff right like oh but what we did is we jumped out of a plane without parachutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're always one upping your story. No matter what your story is, no matter how magnificent it is, they know something more. They know someone more famous, someone better than you ever know. They're just ignorant as to what they know or don't know. Keyboard warriors, good Lord, they're all over the place. Every day, just go on Facebook. I don't think chat rooms even exist anymore. They may or may not, but we all know those guys seem to stir up shit that doesn't need to exist. You right, you see that all the time, right? Yeah, definitely. Here's another one. Right. The Bruce Lee slash Chuck Norris instructors. People who are totally unwilling to involve and still doing catas like it's 1954. Right. I'll give you an example. I have one guy that transferred. He, he's into some another kind of martial art, which is outdated, old, and, and it kind of faded away and died because we've evolved. And it's cool to go back to revisit that as an esoteric way of learning something. But to assume that that's the real way or the better way to do it is uh, complete ignorance. So absolutely, you have not evolved and not changed. And things always do that. In general, I put in here too, which it sounds funny, not enough women in, in martial arts. At least in my world, there could be more women. I think 
the presentation of what we have often can be intimidating because it might be two thirds men, maybe more 80, 80% men, 90% men. So it could be a scary place for a woman to come in. How is it at lax? Is it, 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 it's not even, right? So number nine on lax list is incest. Some students and instructors think it's okay to treat their martial arts school as a place to get laid. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I didn't, I didn't. There's a new girlfriend or boyfriend or however every month, right? Yeah, and I think I've seen it where you know a nice girl joins, the guys kind of swarm around her, and then she's off. You know, she doesn't return to the class. And Lats had problems right. with that kind of thing going on in the group. The other side of that is, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a JKD or an Arnis wedding, and I think it's unreasonable to think that no one could ever get together out of their hobby. Right. Another one, which we kind of, is the McDojos, the guys who end up having five or 10 schools. They're great businessmen. The quality of their martial arts ceases to exist. They're just belt factories. That's just a generic term, right? Fakes and frauds. You know, we've seen that everywhere. Guys who proclaiming to be this, that, or the other thing, and there's anything but that, right? And they can't be challenged. Instructors who believe their own hype, how bad they are, how fast they are. If it was me, I would just do this. Ah, that's the trash talking that goes on. You know, Tom sucks. His school sucks for whatever reason. And that's all based upon their egos. The guys who take themselves so seriously. If you watch Napoleon Dynamite in the karate section, that's a perfect example. The guy who's just like, touch me here, boom. And he's such a crazy badass. The Cobra Kai guy, right? You know, oh, the Cobra yeah. Kai teams are pretty cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I put people who don't really try or, or styles or systems of other martial arts. I think you should be open. I just don't get it. Like, why would you not want to explore something else? Or you think your one particular system or style has encompasses everything. It may for your needs, that very well may be true. But for combat, there's no way it does. Totally agree. I'd like to caveat this entire show and say, I do love martial arts. I'm just going through a rough patch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tom, and I'm a recovering martial artist. <laughs> it's so fun. No, these are just pet peeves. These are just funny topics to talk about. They could go on and on, but it is funny, too. And I think as a purist or a lifer in this thing, we see all these issues. I don't think we'll ever solve them. It's just funny, and it's talked about it pretty much every seminar or gathering that we go to at some level, and it is funny and entertaining. It is comical. Although overall it does affect the quality of martial arts uh, when these guys or these people create or cause these issues in our world, you know, for a whole host of reasons. In the UK, you can have two accounting qualifications, right? You have one or the other. One is a management accountant, which is like internal to an office. And one is the other one, which is slightly better, which sort of you can file tax returns and all that kind of stuff. Right. And... That is the standard to be an accountant. The standard to be a martial artist is, you know, there's loads of different martial arts. Everyone's encouraged to sort of create their own lineage. There's stuff all around the world. And inevitably, that creates all the issues that we've talked about above. Oh, no doubt. In the state of New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, a number of years ago, maybe 15 years ago, and we'll kind of end it with this shortly, is that they tried to organized martial arts like what qualified you to be an instructor of martial arts now on its surface 
and fish. Like, okay, how bad could that be? The problem is the government fucks up everything. <laughs> Therein lies the problem. Then who's going to be the guy to say that my right cross, how I throw a right cross, is not legitimate versus their variation of a right cross? You know, who's going to be that war god who makes that determination? It didn't happen, thank God, because I think it opens up a whole cans of worms and bullshit certifications and other stuff that have to happen. But that's a whole nother topic, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I think all you can ultimately be is responsible for yourself. Try to ch- train with the best people you can. Try to uphold yourself to the highest standards you can. Try to only either obtain the best certificates or give out the best certificates. And to be, as or we no talked about, open-minded, etc. <laughs> right. Or no certificates, right. as in my case. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And look, there were, and I was real when you compiled your list, and which I didn't see until, I guess you said it yesterday, that I had compiled mine prior to that. I was amazed at how similar the lists were. Of course, you have the perfectionist lack loy with definitions and terms that no human would know. <laughs> no, I do appreciate his enthusiasm. And I learned a new word today. Is it felty? Yeah, there you go. I'm a better man for knowing lack loy. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> all praise. Black Lloyd. And then, <laughs> and then uh, somebody's like, but it was a great list. I enjoyed it. God, we could go on for this forever. And Jacob, do I know Jacob? No, so Jake, I tried to get him to go and train with you. He's been in America for three months just doing BJJ in New York and places like that. I tried to get him to go out to your place. It's only an hour away. I mean, he's coming to the US. Why not one more fucking hour, Jacob? I know. Shit together. <laughs> <laughs> But he, hopefully he he'll listen help. to the show he's not a fan yeah he put a lot of effort into his list and andy's one was quite high level but actually surprisingly undetailed for andy he's got great views on stuff actually andy got like a, a guy from south germany been listening to the show and like dropped andy a note he just listened to andy's show which is like two years old and saying he loved it so and they're all smart they're real smart martial artists that's for sure but anyway, it was a great list. Great show. Awesome, Tom. Appreciate it. Another great show from Primal Radio. Peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.